Hi chini ya Maji Family. We have the privilege of hosting Andrew Mutua, CEO and founder of Pesakit and an Nairobian to the bone. Pesakit is revolutionizing last mile access to financial services and digital commerce through mobile money agents for everyone everywhere. In this episode, Andrew takes us through his background and of special interest is how he made the major decision to shift from sports to computing, a decision in which his mom played a big role in. In the building of his company, he perfectly articulates his experience from market research, customer relations and fundraising. Enjoy the podcast. Hi guys, doing Chini Magic family. This is your host Mark Karaki. Super excited to bring you yet another episode of the podcast and I am so excited about our guest today, Mr. Andrew Mutua, CEO and founder of uh, Pesakit. Uh, how are you doing, Andrew? Very well, very well. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, this is the first time we actually, well, actually, this is the second time we're meeting. Because the first time, as you mentioned, we were introduced by a common friend, uh, Kenneth Kinanjiri, very briefly. And you have a good memory, because better memory than I do, because I, I can't remember that. But um, we're now meeting here through Zoom and through this, uh, this audio recording. Uh, so why don't you introduce to the audience who you are and what you do? Like, you know. Uh, start from there. What, what is who? Who are you? What does Presser Kit do? And we we'll go from there. Okay, my name is uh, Andrew Mutua. Uh, I founded Presser Kit in 2018, and today, day to day, I just I just run Presser Kit. Uh, I manage the product side and the tech side because I'm I'm a I'm more of a technical founder, so I love doing the product side of things. Uh, then we have other people who do who do the rest and do it very very well. Yeah, so I, we started Pesakit to help uh, mobile money agents, particularly M-Pesa agents, uh, to manage their float and cash. And that's what I've been doing for the last two years. And that's probably what I'll do for another for another foreseeable future, maybe another five or 10 years. Awesome. Fantastic. And yeah, we'll get into Pesakit, uh, you know, the, the, the backstory uh, in the second half of the conversation. First thing is just to get to know you, right? Who's Andrew? You know, uh, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Just give us a sense and, and, and until, you know, you finished education and professional life, all that. Cool. So I, I grew up in, I was born and raised here in, in Nairobi. Uh, so I've grown up in both sides of Nairobi, in Eastlands and also in, in this in this other side of uh, town. So... Which, which side of town is this? <laughs> <laughs> I could have politically correct here. Let, let's let's <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, um, so I'm a very big fan of just having been brought and studied here in Nairobi. I remember when I was in high school, uh, the only school I wanted to join was Nairobi University because that's that's the only thing that I cared about. That's, I'm, I'm in a day school and I'm in Nairobi. I didn't want to leave the city to go and study abroad or even just to go to other universities within within the country. Yeah, so so Nairobi is what you know it's what has has made me who I am and that's and that's why I love our city. Uh, every time I travel the only thing I'm always thinking about is just coming back home. Yeah, so, that's fantastic. <laughs> what, what what so Nairobi is in your blood, eh? Like uh, this, this is your you re, you represent Nairobi. We get a sign to throw the Nairobi sign. Mm-hmm. I, I think you see with the with the ambans that people put on about Kenya, like the, uh-huh. we we need one for Nairobi. That's that's probably uh-huh. the first one I can wear. 
because I never wear armbands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? People from the from the what do you call it? Machinani will will take offense to that. <laughs> And, and we and we and we care about them, but we also don't care about about their opinion on that. <laughs> so, so what is it about what is it that Nairobi that you love so much? Obviously, you're born and raised here, so it's sometimes it's difficult to explain. But what is it? When did you do you remember when you fell in love with Nairobi, or what is it that made you kind of? No, I think I think while in high school, I really just liked the culture, the entrepreneurship, and the energy that's here. So in Nairobi, when you're walking around, you'll meet people in different walks of life uh, with different experiences. So there's a lot to learn from people. Uh, you can easily connect with uh, with people here in Nairobi. People are very friendly. So so that's that's what what I like. You know, like in, you can speak to anyone and they have an, a good story to tell, a way to inspire you. Especially if you are a product or a, or a founder, a product person or a founder. If you're looking for that connection or if you're looking to really understand the pain points, it's very easy to really get in touch with someone who you can converse, even if it's just 10 minutes. If you're in a motorbike, if you're if you're in a matatu, mm-hmm. you're just shopping, if you're walking around. So it's so it's it gives you a lot of different and it's also a representation of really the country because you'll meet somebody who will just come, let's say, from from a rural county within a week and they're trying to adjust. So so I, I really like how it moves the entire country. It's a melting point, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Then then of course Nairobi is the revenue generator for the country. So so you can tell people really work hard here. Because mm. when you look at the revenues that we collect outside Nairobi, they're not really substantial uh, to to what's collected here and how it's distributed through devolution. So, so here is really where, where people where there's a lot of work, but but also, I think with devolution, I've started to like other other places. I'm like, I like smaller. I, li- I like Kisumu, Bomet uh, Count, Bomet, um, a bit of Mark. so I like I like small, also there are, there are some counties which are really trying to really improve the livelihood of people there so that they can also be empowered economically. Well, yeah. that's that's the main reason I like Nairobi. Is just here is where you'll find a lot of you'll you'll find the mix of people. It's very rare to find it in the other cities like Mombasa and Kisumu. Right. As as how as how you'll find diversity here. Yeah, Fantastic. the people are very cool. The nightlife is also great. So every everything is good here apart from COVID. Apart <laughs> from COVID, yeah, hmm. uh, yeah. Um, so, which high school did you go to? I went to Ofofa Jericho High School. Okay. Mm. So, yeah. That, yeah, I played I played uh, football there with uh, high school football, um, soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at Starehe, and one time we played, I think we played we played you guys on Yoka Field over there. Mm. And yeah, man, it was like going into a war zone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah some diehard dudes over there, man. I remember that game was just tense from from the jump you know mm-hmm. uh, yes I've, I've played football there i have a connect over there what was that like what was your high school experience Uko? no it was it was very good because you know it's uh one of the reason i joined was because of sports the reason i selected it was purely because of uh soccer mm. uh, because i really in oh, you're a soccer player. yeah i used to be a soccer player so i used to aspire to play professionally uh, oh wow! Yeah, one of my best friends plays professionally. So we we were in the same team since we were in primary school. 
then we went to high school together. Uh, we Then we started playing together in high school. Then I stopped playing in high school and he continued. So now he plays for the national team and also for Sakal uh, Bruges in Belgium. So, That's fantastic, man. That's yeah. awesome. Who's your friend? He's called Johanna Molo. He played yesterday. Yesterday or the day before yesterday when we were playing Comoros. In Africa Cup of Nations, that's the guy who scored the equalizing goal against Tanzania that made us... That was so beautiful, man. (laughs) (laughs) That made the entire country happy. (laughs) Man, dude, I was like... like, Losing to TZ would have been just a disaster. We never had that. (laughs) Shout out to your mans. Yeah, that, that that was great. I have a near friend here, so I'm not sure they will be so happy because one of our partners has just come to Nairobi uh, today. But yeah, that that was great. We we can't lose to Tanzania. <laughs> we can't do it. So um, this is crazy, man. Because I I that was my dream also. My dream was to play pro, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, I got the next best thing was which was a, a soccer scholarship to the US. Oh, great, uh, great. Yeah, so so I I know exactly. I mean, you guys are your friend is living the dream, mm-hmm. uh, and to me that is so close and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. And even though now I don't watch too much soccer because it's kind of in the background mm-hmm. of my life, mm-hmm. but that was my passion, bro. I mean, you know, kindred spirits. Yeah, that's that's cool to hear. So you went from you. So you left Stutch to where did you? So where did you go to school? After how did, how how did you get the scholarship? I think that can inspire some guys in Opapua who want scholarships. Yeah, man. Um, it was a, it was it was a, it was a total commitment and focus, mm-hmm. just like launching a startup. So uh, after high school, um, you know, we coming from an, you know our parents want us to get more education. So I had already assessed the the, the situation, and I was like, eh, upper Maze, things are. You got a Jipanga really good, mm. right? Because you know, I didn't come from a well-off family at all, raised by a single mom. Mm. Very clear, the writing was on the wall. And then in the nineties, in the nineties, almost everybody was going abroad. Mm. It's not even now. I think right now people have seems to have more options. They, you know, people like yourself don't want to leave. Nini, and I've seen a lot of that. Mm. In those times, everybody was trying to leave, and mm. so it, for me, it was very obvious that that's the only way because I, I didn't have any kind of family connections that would hook you up with any business or job. I couldn't see a path. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was very clear. Mm-hmm. It was it was that or nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I I graduated from high school. I, I got accepted into university, um, but I wasn't entertaining those ideas. Mm-hmm. But our parents want us to get more education. I ended up going to St. Mary's uh, School for International Baccalaureate. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I got there, that's when I, it became even more urgent because I had no business being there mm-hmm. from a financial background perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had schoolmates who drove to school, right? And I was like, yo, man, like, <laughs> you know, that's not a thing that I could even, you know, it's very obvious that I was like, and then the school was a rugby school. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a great school. I made great friends, but I was just like, I'm in the wrong place, bro. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me focus even more on, because... All these kids who are there were trying their plan was to go to UK, I'm to the US. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone. Mm-hmm. How, we couldn't even afford the flight to get out. You know, um, mm-hmm. to to the, we had to do a, a family fundraiser and all that. Anyway, long story short is I, I decided I'm going to make this thing happen one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to the left or to the right. I, I said I'm not going to go to university. I focused. And um, for three years, since uh, from 95 to 98, mm-hmm. it took that, that length of time. But 
one of the things I've learned, Andrew, is or one of the things I learned from that process is when you focus on something, the doors will open. Mm. Okay. Mm. And so I, there was a guy who was recruiting for U.S. universities. There was some organization. I, I can't remember the name, but he was recruiting for U.S. universities. I met the guy. We went through the process. Um, and then two, me and another Kenyan guy ended up at, uh, at the school that we ended up in West Virginia. Mm. Uh, and so, so yeah, that's, so that's how that happened. It was just pure focus. I'll say one thing. There was one gentleman who was an amazing soccer player who, okay, so when I went to Form 1, that's when I was recruited into the soccer team. And everybody used to talk about this old boy, this guy who had graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't say his name right now, just in case. But this guy was, he was a legend, mm-hmm. okay? So I'm a new guy in the school. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who is this guy? Because everybody on the soccer team, on, on a, they're talking about this guy's moves. Okay. How he used to be. You know, mm-hmm. and then you know, in Korea, there used to be the, some primary schools mm-hmm. on, on along next door. Yeah, on so when we had, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we had a match, mm-hmm. the kids would come to the fence and say, "Is so and so playing?" They would ask for that guy's name. <laughs> so I was like, "How is this guy? Mm-hmm. How good is he?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to benchmark myself mm-hmm. with the best. Mm-hmm. So we were playing this old boys match uh, okay. at uh, the year. So Nikajua is gonna come for that game and all that other stuff. Okay. And the day of the game, of the day of the match, the guy walks into the field. He's got a car entourage. You know, you see the the guy of the of the crowd. Mm. And you know those days were in the nineties, in the early nineties. That's when the best player in the world was Maradona. Mm. Okay. That was the Maradona era, and he's physique, mm-hmm. short, you know, uh, stout, mm. you know. Powerful, mm. quick turns. You know, Maradona was just the, the prototypical awesome player. Mm. Now, this guy, I'm telling you, had the same physique. Mm. He had the same explosivity. Mm. He had the same. Oh, I saw that guy playing. I was like, yo, this guy's going to make it for real. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy who opened the door for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I kept, I kept my eye on this guy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because if this guy breaks in, mm. Um, these countries will start looking at Kenya, maybe it'll connect us, like, you know, how do you think, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so he played for the national team a couple of times, he played for FC Leopards, uh, and then he kind of just faded. Mm. And then, um, so in 95, up or maybe 94, one day I was on a, on, a, on a bus, right, going somewhere in town, I can't remember where. Mm. Standing in the back of the bus, those are at KBS, mm. much more nicer and more comfortable than what we have right now. Mm. Anyway, I'm sitting, I'm standing in the back of the bus, it's kind of empty, and then I look over and I see this uh, person sitting on the on a chair. He looks just you know, he had this aura of somebody who has been overwhelmed by the world, Kiasi. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he lost that energy. And when I looked close, I was like, wait a minute, that's that's that dude. Mm. And bro, his body language, he was just wearing a nondescript brown coat, like a government employee to be one. I realized this guy gave up on the dream Mm. and I saw my future Mm. and that day I made the decision I'm not quitting Mm. because I could see the guy who I thought was the best player I had seen Mm. played with on the same pitch Mm. yeah he was and what he was living but anyway this is not about me this is this is more about about you so that's that's been my journey why did you stop playing what was your what's your story so, so the the two reasons in, in this the school team was quite competitive at, at that time, 
So you had to always be there for practice. You always had to, so you, you had to sacrifice a lot of the academic work for you to, to participate in school team uh, activities. And so I, it was a very, it was a very delicate balance for me because on one side, I really wanted to pursue the academic uh, angle and also pursue sports. So what, what, what ended up being a dream of joining the first team, uh, I, I think I was in the second or the third team. And still the second team was very good. Like when we used to play Staray, I think sometimes we just used to deploy the second team. And the oh, wow. Will, so thanks, 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 for building, thanks for building my brand, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sent the second team, bro. Oh, Staray has gone down yeah, a lot of Staray ways. has gone down. When it comes to sports, there's... Actually, even I'm 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 quite surprised that Opafajerico is also very good at rugby nowadays, because we ah. I was surprised we won the the Nairobi I think in 2018 or 2017 we won rugby in Nairobi. That was a big surprise that from being a soccer school to now playing rugby. That That's amazing. yeah, I was quite surprised with that. So yeah, yeah but. So we, it was very competitive, and I still wanted to focus on 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 my education. Then at the same time, because you know, being a day scholar, you know, the challenges of being a day scholar is, and I think also that's it's an advantage. Like parents don't pay school fees in full, so parents give you like five k, ten k, two k. That so every time you have to you go home to bring the balance, go home. To, so each time you go home, you miss practice. And I was going home to, I think it was too much. I was going home almost every week. So, so at that time, you know, the consistency of school, of school and sports became difficult. Then in, in year two, in form two, uh, we got a new class teacher. And the class teacher we got was a young guy. I think he was in his 30s at that time. And he was, uh, he was, our, he was the school, he was the head of computing in the school. So he was there teaching computing for the entire school. Uh, and he was now a class teacher because our, our form one class teacher had had gotten ill. Mm. So then the guys started insisting that why why don't you guys take computing seriously? So even when in the extra time, so extra lessons that we have in class, mm. what we are discussing mainly is programming. Those days we were being taught how to program with C and VB. So in, in form two, we've already started to learn the fundamentals of programming object-oriented programming, all those things. Then he convinced the principal to allow Form folks to do uh, computing in KCSE as an option. Because those days it was business, uh, home science. I think it was business, home science, agriculture, metal work, woodwork. Then he is the one who introduced computing to the school. And it was a NEC had already introduced that. So it was approved for guys to do it. Then just from there, I decided I'm not going to do any other thing because the good thing about Ofofajerico is we could specialize early. So by Form 1, we didn't have to do all the like 13 or 14 subjects. By Form 1, you could select 9. And, and that was a big advantage for us in school. Then by Form 2, you could select 8. And that was your focus, the 8 subjects until you finish Form 4. We really had a forward-thinking principle uh, at that time. So from there, my focus was just computing. I think it was computing French. And the other subjects, so, so yeah. So I used to spend a lot of time in the computer labs, and that's and that's how I just ended up stop playing sports. So I joined the volleyball team and started focusing on uh, on on computing. 
And the reason I joined volleyball is because I didn't want to go for cross country. Because if you are not, because it's a sports school, you have to run, you have to yeah. perform, you have you have to do sports every week. So if you don't want to run, which I don't like, uh, volleyball was the easiest was the easiest option for me. So yeah, so that's how that's how my shift from sports to computing came about. So at that time, I knew now my focus because I started becoming very good at programming, and you know you're accessing. You know, at that time, that's the first time you're being introduced to a computer. So we were introduced to a computer in Form 1. So that's the first time I'm actually seeing a computer. I'm already 14 years old, and I'm, that's the first time I'm seeing a, a computer. Mm. So the interest, you know, there are kids who already, there are kids who are coming from very well-off families. So they have computers in their homes or laptops and such things. So these guys, so you, you're just amazed at what they can do with, with that. So it's also eagerness to learn. So by Form 2, you have a class teacher who is giving you free computer time at the lab. So I'm just using that time to really learn because I remember my mom used to tell me that somebody has told her that computers are the future. You know, the story is how they come to the world. <laughs> you know, that if you, if, you, if you know how to use a computer, you won't, you'll always have a job. <laughs> and she's not even used a computer, not even seen it, but she's had somewhere that that's, that's the thing. So, so that's how I focused on it. So I, so I started coding in in form two. Then by form three, I was very, I was now starting to become very good at it. And so then by the time it was, we were in form four now doing the KCSC, I already knew I'd gotten an A in computing because yeah because you were. You, you are passionate about it. You spent your time doing it. That's that's amazing. Yeah, so I knew we, I knew I was the best in school. I think I was actually the be, one of the best in Nairobi because when we used to go to those competitions with this one competition we did with Stare, Nairobi School, all that. I think our school we were number one or number two. I can't remember. And it was just a coding competition. We even had there's another guy who left a national school to come to Okajeriko just because of computing. That's amazing. That's amazing. How Fafa Jericho, because in my time, mm. Fafa Jericho wasn't up, wasn't any other stuff that I'm that I'm hearing. Mm. That's such. I love that. I love that transformation. So you're saying it's a, a forward-thinking principal is the one who brought this uh, transformation. Mm. And and now the the class teacher who joined. Then, mm. so the guy now works for Central Bank. I think he's the head of infrastructure there. That guy who used to be our class teacher. So. Mm. So then the other guy, so there were two computer teachers. Then the other guy, I think, is head of something in Safaricom. I think DevOps or So those two young guys were very, I mean, they were already very talented. But they just came in to get experience. So I think they, they taught in Ofofajeriko for maybe five or six years. And we were lucky within that time uh, we were there. Yeah. So after we left, I think two years later, both of them left. And uh, um, now both of them just, one in Safaricom, the other one is works as head of infrastructure at Central Bank. So that was good exposure quite early. So by the time I left high school, mm. you know, the problem about going to Fajerico is there's always, people don't, people don't really, you know, you're not prepared for college because we didn't even get those forms to apply to join uni. Really? Yeah, because nobody goes to uni from afar. Like, uh. Not very few people do. So, <laughs> so they... Yeah. And I can't even remember Nick bringing us those. Is it Nick? No, Jab bringing us those forms. Mm. Yeah. So 
it was, you know, after after the results came, that's when they realized some students had passed and they needed to apply. So we were being called by, <laughs> we were being called by the people. Hey, by the way. <laughs> you guys have passed, you need to come and apply. So now, <laughs> that's when we are applying to join uni. <laughs> and when we are going to uni, the, the guys at Jabba are telling us that they got the applications in February the, the previous year. And this is, so the guys who are in Form 4 usually apply in Feb. And perhaps we are applying in Feb the next year after the results, in March the next year after the results. So, wow. like we have to do, so we are applying during second revision, then it's expensive. Even like at that time, I think for those applying while in school, it was free. So for us, we have to pay 3K. So there are so many barriers. And you know, 3K is a lot of money for a high school guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, yeah. and no one is giving you money after high school. You know, once you. So you have to do so we did the 3k then i think there was another 7k to to do revisions again because you need to apply as a new applicant at that time then there's a second revision so it was so it was it was quite an interesting journey just transitioning from high school to college and and just because we were not prepared for it so in college i was i, I was the only guy from Ofapa now in, in University of Nairobi. So that's for the first time now I'm interacting with guys from Starch, from Nairobi School, from all these nice, nice places. So it, it was quite interesting. People people laugh at me a lot. When, when people hear, you know, people assume that I was from Nairobi School. I'm not sure why, but because one of my good friends was from there. So we used okay. to hang out with him a lot. So people used to think I was. So when I tell them, even to date, people just, you know, when you hear, hey, what is that? You know, <laughs> how are the people doing? Oh, for ah, no, 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 it can't be. It can't. <laughs> people are haters out here, but yeah, so that, you to, to that, to that background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so that was how we moved from high school to uni. And in, in, in between, I, uh, I, I did a be, between, so at, at our time, we used to wait for two years before joining. So once you've been accepted, you, there's a, that waiting period. So I did a diploma in in digital design and uh, web design and development. So it was more to improve on my programming skills because I already knew how to code. So that's the first time I was now doing um, HTML, CSS, and learning all these other design tools. Mm, cool, so, awesome. Yeah. So, so fantastic. So you go to Nairobi University and uh, what was your journey between that and PesaKit? Did you, were you always going to be an entrepreneur? What was that journey like? So, so while while in because I already had some skills in web design and development, right after college I joined a, an advert excuse me an advertising agency uh, called Young and Rubicam Brands. At that, mm. at that time it was quite it was quite big. It was, it was the second after Scanner. Mm. We used to do a lot of uh, I used to do so a lot a lot of design work and development work for brands like you mobile uh we did some work for and so many so many big big companies so that's that's that was the first time i was getting exposed to so we used to do a lot of work for Cobank. i remember i designed the first platform for so Cobank was wanted to sell mortgages online so I, so i did that it was around good homes so those those were the times when i was now getting exposed to how business is done how business can be brought online the value mm -hmm. of being online so, so I worked in that company for three years. Part, part, part of it I was still in uni. So year one and year two, and part of year three, 
I was still working for that company part time because I developed some platforms for them, so I used to manage them. Mm. So at least I, when I was in uni, I was not I was not badly off financially. So I had I had some resources from now working there part time and I'm being paid weekly. Mm-hmm. So, so so I could see. So I had skills that could help other businesses. So at that time is when I was starting to think: should I should I now start doing my own thing? Uh, or should I start my own business? Because I could also find side hustles, like somebody wants a website, somebody wants a mobile app, somebody. And you know, those, I think in 2000, early 2010, so that's 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. those skills were, it was very few people doing it very well. So mm-hmm. so we used, the income was not was not bad. So that, that really encouraged me to, to try entrepreneurship. Then while in uni, I was also, uh, a Google ambassador. So Google had just launched their Google developer groups. So I was one of the guys who formed the Google developer group at the University of Nairobi together with some guys in the tech community. I think one, one who is known very well is Anthony Nanda. His, his Twitter is Prof, Prof Nanda. So we, we started that group together with a couple of friends. Then I used to represent Google in the school. So like bringing all the swag to their offices so you, you know you're getting exposed to so many things but you you can't really you don't really realize it so yeah. there when google was launching youtube in kenya we were the ones who were organizing those activities in school we had a budget to manage we we were invited for the main launch at tribe you know you're just getting exposed to small these are small small pieces but you can see how big corporations also work like they invite yeah. us to their office to brainstorm so you're starting right. to see how really businesses are run and built so just my combination of doing that uh, for Google for one year and having worked in this agency for three years, that's when I started really to think uh, I'm now exposed enough to maybe to give it a try. So in mm-hmm. while in uni, I started a business called uh, Logic. Mm-hmm. And it was a software engineering uh, company. So we used to build uh, software for other, other businesses. So like a software consulting business. And we ended up quite being quite successful so by the time i was in the third in my third year we had gotten some work we had done some work for airtel for Woolworths, some work for ibm so 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 it was it was it was now starting to the business was starting to be successful because we were doing very niche work so by the time i was now in fourth year i was not even starting to debate should i drop out of school and focus on the business so, oh, wow. so it was because it was successful. It was taking a lot of my time. Uh, my girlfriend then just kept convincing me that no, you stick stick to stick to school, and I think that was a good a, a good decision. Just mm-hmm. just finish it. Just finishing it. So mm-hmm. uh, fourth year. By the time I was in the last semester of fourth year, I'd already opened an office in Westland, and I'd hired. Uh, three people, so they were managing the office while, I'm, while I was at school, oh. and and at that time now we had now started to focus purely on fintech. So we were just doing like insurtech stuff. So these things that are now very popular now. So we we're in insurance technology. So like underwriting platforms, getting insurance companies online. So those those were those were the things I really used to like to do. That's so that was our work. Uh, mm-hmm. And we at that time also did some work for CBA when they have an so they were inter, integrating some app they use for tokenizing accounts with with some other 
systems. So we re I really got some some good work just from referrals from people bringing work to us. Mm -hmm. I'm out for Cop Bank also when they launched their first um, Cop Cash, uh, their first app for mobile banking. So we uh, our, our business did part of it. Not uh, some of it was done by another bigger firm. So uh, so some people were just bigger firms were outsourcing work to us because we we just knew the financial space very well and the technology space. So that's that's how I started. So that's how I started now. When I just finished college, I went straight into my business and I grew it over over six years to to a team of about 15 people uh, just building software for financial services companies. So in, in between, uh, so in, in 2018, I started experimenting with Pesaki. So I was still running the other business, but I could see now, like I could see challenges for my clients. So, so like I could see some banks who are struggling to reach the last mile. So, so they didn't have sophisticated agent networks, so they didn't have reliable tech for agents. And, and you know what, what really Safaricom has managed to beat all these people is just the reach, you know, the physical ubiquity. Everywhere you go, you see Safaricom, either the agent or the branding. Mm. That's that's why they win, and and mm. and I think Airtel doesn't get that. If they got just that bit, they would also be successful. And that's what banks now are trying to do in 2018, like launch their own agency banking services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we were so at that time I was trying to think. You know, already already there are many, there are many challenges at agent points. When you go to an agent all the time and I can be always in a float, seen a cash. So you can see there's there's liquidity challenges at agent points. So, so that's that's really what I when I started Pesakit, I was just trying to look at how do we help uh, the clients we have get to the market at scale, and also how do we solve the inherent liquidity challenges for agents. Thank you for taking your time to listen to our podcast. We love our listeners and have recently launched our website chiniamaji.com where you can sign up and have access to part two of this insightful episode, where Andrew dives more into Pesakit's journey. Thank you for the support and enjoy the rest of the podcast on our website.